Welcome to the Women of Wild podcast, where we explore what it means to be a woman. We will be discussing real life challenges from being a daughter, a wife, a mother, a single mom, and beyond. We're two friends living very different lives. One is married with all girls. The other is divorced with all boys. We're perfect bookends to speak from opposite perspectives on all the things. Our mission is to search out the heart of a woman and to pour into you wherever you are with real life wisdom, actionable steps, and application of the topics we discuss to continue our self-development into a wild woman. That is a woman of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. So let's go. Welcome to our first podcast, our first episode for Women of Wild. This is our get to know you episode and Debbie and I are going to interview each other a little bit so you can get to know us and tell us a little bit about why we're doing this and how we came up with Women of Wild. It was January of 2022. I emailed Debbie and I asked her if she wanted to do a podcast with me. As we say in our introduction, I have two daughters. She has three boys. And I was thinking she would be a great resource for the moms I work with who have sons because I only have girls and I'm not an expert on raising boys at all. And so I thought I would love to bring her in and get some of her wisdom that she's had from raising three boys. So that was what inspired me to reach out to her. She's also a very upbeat, spunky, fun, crazy kind of woman. And I'm more on the calm, steady, even keeled side. And I needed that energy to get me going to do this podcast and to have a different energy side to the podcast as well. I didn't want it to be too calm. And for me, I know some people like that, but I like the energy that she brings. She's the one who came up with Women of Wild. And I was so excited when she sent me the idea she had come up with. And I'd love for her to share with you how she came up with that and what inspired us to bring the Women of Wild podcast. Thanks, Sally. I think that it takes a super wise woman to be so self-aware to know what you need to bring your vision to life. So for you to even just to, to feel like I was an option for that is so honoring. And I'm so glad that you asked me to do it with you because it was on my radar. And I don't think that I ever just took it seriously until you planted that seed. So when you said you wanted to do that, and we started thinking real, real about who are we going to bring in as this audience? Who are we going to speak to? I have this huge whiteboard, as all homeschool moms probably do, huge whiteboard, and I just started doodling. It was like a CSI investigation, you know, where they put up all the name, you know, people, dates, pictures of people, <laughs> and they just sit there and stare at it until they can solve the problem. And I did that. I just put up all these words that would describe who our ideal listener was and who she might be and what she might be feeling, what she might be experiencing, what season of life she might be in, what hurts and hangups that she's dealing with. And I just put up these words, just random words all over this whiteboard. And it started to just bring my brain into like this ideal avatar of who we could speak to. And since we're so different, coming from opposite ends of the spectrum, it really incorporated, it was kind of like a Proverbs 31, like that nobody should ever think that Proverbs 31 is one woman. That describes so many women. And, but the common underneath that was that there's a lot of hurts and hangups that a lot of us have 
whether we're married or divorced, whether we have kids or we're wanting kids, whether we have young kids or kids that are leaving for college, that a lot of us do have a lot of common threads. And so I started just really hyper vigilantly meditating on all those words and then started writing down what could be possible titles. And I really think at that moment, it was a Holy Spirit movement that because I just don't think that I'm clever enough or creative enough to come up with the things that we came up with on my own. And so when I saw the world, the word wild, like I wrote it down and because we are wild, we're just trying to figure out this crazy world. And there's nothing tame about raising kids. There is nothing tame about marriage. And there is certainly nothing tame about divorce. <laughs> so wild was just a word that just, I, I thought it just really described so much of the words altogether that if I was to put one label across them, wild was it. And then it was like truly the Holy Spirit that just took WILD into an acronym of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. And that was a little bit of a process, but that's kind of how it broke down over the course of about four days of adjectives, verbs, um, adverbs that were on the board. It was just this crazy mess. I kind of wish I took a picture of it. I I did not memorialize it, but that's how WILD came about. I love that. We have a lot of things that are different about us with the boys and girls, marriage, divorce, things like that. But we also have a lot of things in common. And I thought about, you know, we have our faith in common. We have homeschooling in common. And we both, without knowing it, pursued becoming coaches around the same time in common. And so we have these similarities as well that sort of bond us together. And I would love to just have you share with us what made you decide to hire a coach because I know a little bit about that story. Why did, and why you went that route instead of counseling or a, a different type of support? There's just so many different options there. Psychologists, therapists, um, and then you have all these different specialties underneath that. And I think I was first exposed to life coaching when I was in my early 20s. And I was really just trying to figure out what I was going to be when I grow up. And I... I went to this, and and that was an office environment. It's not like it is now. It was online. And I went to this life coach, and she really just kind of helped me gain clarity about where I was at that moment. And um, I know that I wasn't quite as coachable in that season because it didn't have much of an impact then, but it was already on my radar. Life coaching was already on my radar. And um, then later, when I started to go through the divorce, it was just really just shortly after I filed for divorce, that uh, it was a friend of a friend that said, you know, got this person that's becoming a life coach and she has a certain amount of time that she needs to offer free coaching to be able to get certified. And you know how that works. So I worked with her. I called her up and we worked together on a couple of calls. And that was just for her to be able to build up her time so that she could get her certification. And so that same life coach was on my radar after the divorce. And after the divorce, I thought that that was the end of my, that chapter, you know, and I just thought this is going to be the end of this chapter. And now I get to start this new beginning. And the whole thing about trying to start this new beginning, I could not break out of the old chapter. It just wouldn't close. Even though the divorce was final, I had the final decree. I just couldn't get my mind in the right place to 
get into a new space to start building. I just was stuck. And that's the only adjective that comes to mind. I was just stuck. The person I was before the divorce was final, the person I was after the divorce was final was still the same person and I couldn't move forward. And so I called her up and I called her up and didn't really know what I wanted, but she gave me these really black and white questions. What can I help you with? What do you need help with? And I told her, I felt like I'm divorced now. I'm single, but in my head, I'm still completely consumed with my old life. And I felt like I didn't own it. Um, and, and I didn't know what the right word was at the time, but she said, I think I can help you with that. And I think that um, if you don't fire me, <laughs> if you don't fire me, I think that we can have a really good breakthrough and you can start feeling uh, more in control of your life. And she gave me that warning because I knew, I didn't know, she knew that the process that she was going to have to take me through was going to be painful. And she just kept saying from the beginning, if you don't fire me and you stick with me, we'll, we'll transform how you're feeling and we'll get you to where you need to be to start growing. And I had no idea how much that warning really was for me because there were so many times that I really did want to fire her because she just wasn't affirming the person I was and I wanted to be affirmed where I was instead of breaking down that and and it's almost like a birth it's like a new birth and when you try to become something new it's so painful it's so painful to let go of who of life as you once knew it to, of the reality that you once knew and so the having her as a coach was like a mirror but she was showing me all of my blind spots and it was i mean the things that she brought me to to face to own to verbalize to put out there uh i, I, were, I don't think i could do it on my own because it was just so blind i was so blind to it and so you know hiring the coach was just a process of it already being on my radar at that time she was already i was familiar with her since i was kind of part of her um her training program and then having such a massive transformation after her and it wasn't just like you know the weeks that we spent together were pretty phenomenal but it was the it was really like the six months the 12 months after i trained with her because that's really more of what it is, is like being trained to hear yourself hear your thoughts hear the words that are coming out of your mouth realizing how those things affect you and how they reflect truly what you believe uh, a lot of times we talk about, oh, I believe X, Y, Z, but then our words and our actions are very different than what we say we believe, especially about ourselves. Um, so to answer the question, how did I come to, to that life coach was a simple process, but then what it did to me after that was not simple at all. It was a very long process and it's continuing. It'll continue forever. We'll never be finished people. You know, there'll always be a new level, but I think that answered your question. Absolutely. It's, I was not familiar with life coaching, but I was amazed at how transforming it is. So I'm going to throw that question to you. If coaching was not on your ra radar, how did you come to life coaching and, and what made you want to become a life coach? I was taking through a seminary I was taking classes with. They added a biblical counseling program and it was more of a 
diploma. It was not going to be a licensing program or anything like that. And I asked um, the woman who was teaching those classes, so what is it that I can do with this? She mentioned coaching as another avenue because I really didn't want to go back to school forever <laughs> and, and pursue a counseling degree and all, all of that. And so I thought, okay, I've never heard of a life coach, but I, I really just started Googling it. And this was in 2020, right, when everything shut down and I had time to do something. And I, I found, I came across this school on Google, the Christian Coaching School, and I just set up a call, which is crazy. I, I don't know. This is how I do things, though. I tend to just sort of get an idea and jump right in with both feet and not really know what I'm getting into. I did that with homeschooling. I did that with a couple other things in my life. I talked to my husband about it. I, I got on the call and I was like, I really like this woman. I connected with her and the class was starting in a couple of weeks. And I just thought, I have this time. This is, sounds really kind of amazing. I actually thought it was going to be easy. I thought it was going to be kind of like, um, I have a recovery background from going through Al-Anon, which is a 12-step program for family and friends of alcoholics. But I, I kind of thought like it would just, I sponsored people and I thought well, it would be kind of like being a sponsor, only I would be better at it. It's a lot more involved than that. <laughs> I had no idea what I was getting into. And so I, I started the program and it was even the training piece, like you said, when you were training, it was life altering. The coaching I received through the training, even the peer coaching and coaching others, I, I grew more in that six month period that I was training than I had in a few years. I was kind of maintaining the growth I had accomplished through years of work, but I didn't have that sort of period of intense growth in a long time. And it was, I was transformed and I really jumped right into, I thought this was amazing. And I, and what I was coached on, because in 2020, I had two girls home from school who were really struggling with the isolation and the shutdown and the things happening in the world. They were just having, going through some anxiety and depression. And I was having a hard time being the kind of parent I needed to be for them to support them and help them through that. And my older one would talk to me, but my younger one would just shut down and she just wouldn't open up to me. And I, I spent my time with peer, we had to coach peer to peer. And the coaching I did was on my relationship with my daughter and how to kind of open up, how to rebuild that relationship and have her trust me enough to open up and talk to me. And I, I saw a neat transformation happened that summer in my relationship with her. And it was, it, it wasn't big, profound. And that was one of the things about being coached is I didn't necessarily come up with these profound ideas all the time. A lot of times they were just simple, but because I came up with them through the good questions I was asked, they were profound in a weird, simple way. The ability for them to kind of work out in my life. And I, and I saw the transformation in the relationships with my girls, which was huge. And that, that inspired me to help other moms with the relationships with their daughters, because there's so much we can do that's really not even that hard. 
to build relationship with our kids. Well, that brings me to the next question on, you know, transformation is, a, it, it's a fun word to throw out. And we always see like transformation Tuesday pictures before and after weight loss and things like that. Um, but transformation is a big word to use because it means like massive dramatic change. Um, so if you had to pick one experience in your life that transformed how you view yourself, what experience would that be? Could you tell us that story? I would have to say I grew up in a really happy home and I thought my family was completely normal. We didn't seem to have the dysfunction that other families had on the outside. And I, I, I will say I did have a great family. But I see now as an adult and with the work I've done, there was a lot of codependency in my family, not outward addiction and the things, but there was enough of that, I guess, in my extended family that it affected my family. And so I grew up very codependent. I always had a really needy friend. I can look back from third grade until I was about 29 years old. And I always had that one super needy friend I would do anything for. And I, I thought that was me being just a really nice person. <laughs> I thought I was a very giving person. I grew up always thinking, you know, if you're happy, I'm happy. I didn't care about what opinion. I didn't have an opinion because it only mattered what everybody else thought. And if I could keep everybody else peaceful and getting along and no conflict. And so I was willing to sacrifice anything. And I, I lead up to that because that's really an unhealthy way to live. But I, I thought it was sacrifice, kindness, some of these biblical concepts that um, were taken the wrong way by me. There was a time in my marriage where it got to the place where I was ready to leave. We just had so many struggles in the beginning. And this was about uh, seven years in, maybe which they say that's a tough time in marriage generally. But I called um, the pastor who married us and I said, you know, I don't think I can take this anymore. <laughs> I, You know, we weren't talking. We were avoiding each other. I just, it was miserable. He suggested that I go to Al-Anon. And I was like, oh, I don't need that. I, I went just to say that I went as a last resort and I could leave him. That was transformative to me. I learned... How unhealthy I was <laughs> in those rooms. I learned how codependent I was and how it wasn't wrong to kind of, to take care of yourself, to value yourself. You know, we've we're going to talk in future episodes a lot about the importance of knowing that we're loved, accepted, valued, and not alone. And that's where I learned those concepts was was in those rooms. And that has been the most transformative thing for me. And not only did it transform me, and I'm getting like emotional talking about it, but it, it transformed the way I viewed myself and valued myself. But I, my marriage was healed through me changing, not my husband, which still a little bit bitter about that. No, not really. <laughs> It's just very humbling that I had more negative to contribute, that me getting healthier made a, a big difference and things getting better. 
my relationship with my sisters got better. My, you know, I, I learned how to let go of those unhealthy friendships that I had and make healthier, have healthier friendships of people that really weren't using me for all that I could give, but were, you know, it was a back and forth relationship that was healthier. And it was a hard place to get to. It's not, you know, I didn't get there. I wouldn't have chosen the way necessarily that God brought me to that place. But I also would do it again if I had to, to be where I am today. So it's, you know, it, that was probably the biggest thing in my life that was transformative. That's beautiful. I love that. And just knowing that the hardship that brought you through that, I mean, I just don't think that you can have a good harvest with a little poop in the dirt, you know? Uh, I mean, that's such a beautiful way to go back and look at it as, you know, we wouldn't choose it. And that's why God doesn't show us our tomorrows. We've talked a lot. And I know that working out and eating well is a passion of yours. Has this always been the case for you? Or did something happen that motivated you to make this a priority in your life? And how would you encourage others who are not as dedicated to a healthy lifestyle? Uh, you know, I, I probably could not have put into words what the, what I'm about to say, except for my uh, my trainer actually gave me the words to describe some of this a little bit is um, my health journey has been a long one. You know, so we talk about a health journey and I don't even know where the start point is, really. It's not like I just had this epiphany one day. But I think um, I think when I hired the life coach after my divorce was final, which was in uh, March of 2020. And um, I attacked, I I went after myself in the emotional mental space first, because that's where I felt like I was, that was my biggest pain point at the moment was emotionally and mentally, I need to get a hold of my head. And I think it's a natural progression. And this is what my trainer said is like, it's a natural progression when you begin to feel the transformation happen there, then your attention goes to the next place. And because as a whole person, we are mind, body, and soul, I think it's a whole person thing that once you begin to transform how you think and feel about yourself mentally and emotionally, the next space is physically. Um, And then, and that's how it did progress for me from 2020 to now. Now, if I go back and give you all the big story, that would take me a whole episode, but I'm just going to start from the 2020 when I, when I went after my headspace. And I really started to get some traction there and felt the transformation happening, felt the stuck becoming unstuck, felt like I was becoming inspired. I was starting to have dreams again. I was starting to have visions for the future. I was starting to connect with myself in a way that I never have in my life, like being able to say that I care about me, that I want to be good to me because as an image bearer, that's what we're supposed to do. You know, we are our bodies and our minds that um, we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So the next progression went to, um, I got my house and got settled in September of 2020. And then immediately I went after trying to figure out what I'm putting in my body that doesn't need to be put into my body. And how do I find out my food sensitivities and how do I just optimize my body? So I went through a 40 day fast 
uh, I attacked myself on that. And I think that was, a, again, it was a Holy Spirit thing because who would ever volunteer for a 40-day Daniel fast, right? 40-day Daniel fast. I got done with the 40 days, super challenging. Um, but I got done with the Daniel fast. Um, and uh, if you don't know what a Daniel fast is, it's basically fresh fruits and vegetables. And you leave everything else off your diet for a little while. And it's really, it's not meant to be sustainable. That's not a lifestyle. <laughs> it's meant to hit a reset. I didn't lose a lot of weight, but um, it was just not as transformative as I wanted it to be for my physical body. So I just kind of kept going. And I really started to feel the breakthrough with the brain fog at about 90 days. And now I look back and go, okay, that was the sugar. That was the, all the sugar. I stopped drinking alcohol. Um, I didn't give up my caffeine, but I gave up my caffeine for the 40 days. And then I went back to caffeine. I maintained um, a diet of really strict, just adding one thing back in at a time. I figured out that my body really not, it doesn't really love gluten. So I'm not totally 100%, but I'm like 90% gluten-free. Um, and all that just kind of went on as a lifestyle. So now I'm just like, at that point, three, four, five months in, I was at my lowest body weight. I was feeling good, but uh, I was looking pretty thin. And um, I had been talking about that, my journey a little bit on social media. And I had one friend reach out and one, one said, I think you should do more research on protein on the woman's body. And then another one, almost simultaneously within just a few days, said, I think you should consider or do some research, just real gentle seed dropping. I think you should consider lifting weights and, you know, do some research on how that affects the woman's body. And it took those seeds months to bear some fruit. But I, so, you know, the whole year of 2021 was me playing with fuel. And then I was doing some cardio and some HIIT workouts, but not real consistently. And then my mom passed away in November. And so I tend to, and I just didn't realize it until my mom passed away. And I started reflecting that my go-to is physical challenges when I really get a little tweaked out in my head or my emotions, or I hit something really hard, like a dead end. Um, when I, when I filed for divorce, I immediately went to Fit Body Boot Camp, which is a gym, local gym here that does all like hit training. I did that for a while um, because I just want it. It's my default. That's how I get it out. I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie, and I need something physically to express the crazy that's going on in my head. And so. My mom passed away in the end of November. I immediately started the 75 hard challenge. Google it if you don't know what it is. 75 hard challenge has you doing two workouts a day, 45 minutes a piece. I did that. I only made it halfway through that. Um, and then I gave it up because I went to the beach. <laughs> and then, so in January, I joined a gym, a local gym. And I took that seed of lifting weights. And I took that seed of protein on the body. and on the, on the female body specifically. And I started doing a lot of research and I started putting together different workouts and I started playing around in the gym, playing around with adding food and increasing my calories. And now today I can say that I'm probably at the most optimal physical shape and I'm about to turn 50. And I was a gymnast in high school. I was competing in gymnastics. And I can tell you, I feel like I am healthier today than I was when I was competing in gymnastics. And that's 
because I have gotten rid of all the false beliefs that you need to starve yourself and limit your diets and limit your calories and all those things to be thin because thin is happy. I'd, I'd redefined that, that strong is, is better than thin. <laughs> strong is more my motto now. And, um, and now it's just become actually not just a hobby, but it's, a true lifestyle is a true lifestyle for me now. And I love it, love it, love it. There's nothing I love more about my weekly schedule than moving my body, watching it transform into something it's never been before and feeling the word that I always use is optimized. I feel optimized. I know what I put in my body. I love food. I love how it tastes. I love how it looks. I like calories. <laughs> I like protein. And I like working out and I like being strong, not thin. So that's my big, long answer on that one. That's a great answer. And I think especially for women, it's hard to find that healthy place to be. If I could tell my 18-year-old self anything, and this is my friend that said you should start lifting. She sent me a text the other day. I wish I could just read it to you. Basically, she, she was m passing on a message, the same message, a gentle seed dropping to her 18 year old niece. And she was like, if I could have gone back and done it differently, this is what I would want somebody to tell me when I was 18. And if I could have received this truth, that strong is better than thin and confidence is better than looking for affirmation from everybody <laughs> and from trying to make your body be something that it's not like the Victoria's Secret lie. I, mean, I just wish I had had that at 18, I would have spent a whole lot more of my life loving on me than hating on me. And, and just what a waste of all that energy of just looking in the mirror and feeling shame. When now what I realize is it's not about what I see in the mirror. It's what I feel in my head. The other day I did my PR squat of 145 pounds. And that's not a lot for a lot of people, but for me, that's a lot. And when I did it in my head, I was praising God. Look what you made my body do. Like, that's crazy. That is more than my body weight. And I was squatting one and a quarter of me. And in the moment, it wasn't about how I looked in the mirror or what the guy was thinking next to me. It was really God has made an amazing machine in the mind, body, and soul of a human being. There is nothing under the sun more powerful than the mind, body, and soul of a human. All right, Sally, I know that you've touched a little bit on some of the changes that your marriage has gone through, but if you were to just talk to somebody that was either just married or thinking about getting married in this world of 50% divorce rate in the church and, and outside the church, what would you say is the secret sauce to a successful and happy marriage? I believe what really made a difference in my marriage lasting first of all i did a lot of praying and i really asked god to show me if i should stay or go and i really was willing to do what he said i didn't want to go and there was a time when i i definitely had marriage as an idol in my life it was i didn't want to lose it because it was an idol I would feel it was more important to me, I guess, than being the right kind of person was keeping this marriage together. I don't know. 
if I can say that as well, but I had to be able to let go and say, okay, God, I give it up. If I lose this, that's okay. It's not going to destroy me. I can trust you to take care of me and the girls if this is what I need to do. And it was really letting go of it and letting go of my husband and letting him be who he was going to be during this time and just working on myself. The more I focused on me and trying to become the best person I could be and the healthiest person, and the more I allowed him to be him, the closer we got and we began to heal. I became, instead of someone who was trying to control him and manipulate him and someone who I would say made him feel like he never did anything good enough or right because I was really wanting him to be perfect. I will, This is a little aside, but one day I was sitting at my kitchen table thinking, what is it that I want from him? This was one of those epiphanies I had. And I realized I want him to be everything to me and to meet all my needs and to make me feel important and special and loved, accepted, valued, not alone. And I was putting all that pressure on him to be that for me. And I realized in that moment too, I realized that's how I treat him because he can't be those things to me. And I was treating him like he was just never enough. And that was that was one of those moments where I just realized, okay, that's where I'm failing at this. And that's not his job. And that's, that's God's job. And I need to look to God to do that for me. And I'm not going to be all those things for him either. I was failing just as much on my end. And so to realize we can't be those things for each other. A great marriage is going to happen when you focus on yourself, on being the best person you can be and love your spouse for who they are, where they are. And that, as we've learned to do that, has had the most positive impact. And I can say today, we're going to be married 25 years in September. And I'm so thankful we got through all that yuck (laughs) and mess. And it was not fun. And it was hard. And there were many, many days that were miserable. And I, there are at least three different occasions, different years where I really thought I might leave and that we had no hope. But God breathed life into me and into my husband and into our marriage. And, you know, by his grace, we'll we'll make it 25 years. (laughs) In an Instagram and uh, TikTok culture that we live in, everything that you just said is very countercultural. So you see a lot of if he is not this, this and this, you need to kick him to the curb. Or if, you know, you know what I mean? It's I think that the epiphany that you just talked about is realizing that you are were placing too much on him, that you wanted him to be your everything, and then you were treating him through that lens because he wasn't able to live up to that huge weight and expectation. So then you start to treat him as though he's less than. I resonate with that. Oh my gosh. I as soon as you said that, I thought. That was half of my marriage was both him and I expecting unreasonable fulfillment out of each other. And it it was far into uh, the marriage when I realized that I got saved and and Jesus became my everything. And then it just really got confusing because now I didn't, you know, we had unequally yoked relationship, but that really resonated is that I can say that I spent the majority of my marriage expecting my husband to literally be everything, fill in every insecurity I have. 
and be everything for me that I need you to be. And because you're not, you're a pile of, you know, <laughs> and then I would treat him with terrible disrespect because he wasn't able to live up to that immense expectation. That's huge. That is huge. And when you say focus on yourself, you're like, you know, the best advice is that you focus on yourself, not in a, in a narcissistic way, right? That's not what you're saying. You're saying focus on yourself to become the best, healthiest person so you can overflow a, a real love, not just one that expects all the insecurities to be covered, but a real love that wants to fill and overflow into others. That's a very different mindset than what Instagram and TikTok teach. Very countercultural. You have three boys between the ages of 14 and 20. What have been some of your greatest challenges in raising them? And what are some of your greatest victories as a parent? Uh, I think I'm going to give you just a little bit of backstory so you understand where my starting point was as a, a mom and a female coming into parenting and parenting boys. So prior to getting pregnant with my first son, I was a vegetarian for over a decade. And I was all kinds of into, you know, people for the ethical treatment of animals. And I mean, I was a little out there. And then I got pregnant with my first son. So understanding boys, I was pretty far on the other side when, because all of my boys are real country boys. They are outside, no shoes, no shirt, barely can keep shorts on them, running through the woods, barefooted with their guns. And I mean, they were country boys. I mean, talk about God having a sense of humor. So when they really started to take on their own personalities and like my oldest was the first one to just, he was driving the train of, I want a gun. I want to go hunting. I want to ride four wheelers. I want to make mud pies. You know, the, that whole culture was so shocking to me. But my curiosity to understand them as intimately as I possibly can with not being a boy was a major driving force in a lot of things that I did. And so because I just, I didn't understand them and I was fully aware of how much I didn't understand them, the boy mindset, uh, that I would just do a lot of things to just try to get as close as I could to understanding. So when hunting became part of a thing for our family, um, this decade-old vegetarian got in the tree stand with the boys. And I spent hours and hours in the tree stands with them. I would never carry the gun, but I would just be there trying to understand their mindset. I would watch them go through the process from beginning to end and watch their, watch their reactions. Um, and, and just try to just soak it in, you know? And so it's just been a learning process. And then going through homeschooling boys, boys don't like to learn, just so you know, <laughs> not books. They love to learn about guns and animals and cars and things that I wasn't teaching them in homeschool. But it, I still was able to get a much closer view of them. I, I wouldn't trade those hard days for anything because I thought, that I knew my boys until I watched how their brains literally process information. And I think that's where I learned the most about boys. And I learned that there's a very big limit to how much I truly can understand. Um, and so 
in in knowing that there's a limit to how much I could understand what it is to be a boy in this world, what it is to be in their mind, because there's just a lot of their minds and their hearts and their souls that is sacred. I'm not allowed to go there. I can't go there. It's it's either God's space or it's their dad's space or it's their space. And I don't get to go there. I don't get to have that knowledge. Um, and so just understanding that I have that limitation, I think that um, being a mom of a boy, of boys, is one, trying just really hard to get as close as you can to intimately understand them. And I think what you said about your husband giving him, you know, just loving him right where he was, was a, another thing I had to do is just, I don't get the grossness of boys, but apparently it's just nothing you can fight. Like, you're just not going to fight the grossness of boys. <laughs> and my boys are so boy. I just can't stress that enough. But they took me, they stretched me so far from the girl and the the vegetarian. So yeah, for the challenges, I would say just just trying to understand them. Um, and then for the victories, I'm going to say, since I've got a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old, I'm starting to get a glimpse of what stuck. So, you know, we, we're trying to train up their, their hearts and souls to be healthy about themselves, to have a worldview that is specific, to love God and know God. And, uh, and now that I've got 20-year-old and 18-year-old really starting to hinge into owning what they believe and why, um, and then my 14-year-old's just now really wrestling with that. But I'm starting to get glimpses of what's stuck. And and some of the, like, for example, my 20-year-old has been dating a girl for a long time. And without mom and dad, because I go to a church that has three campuses. And we live uh, a good 30 miles apart, my oldest and I. Him and his girlfriend, he picks his girlfriend up on Sundays and goes to church, goes to my original campus, and I go to the campus out here. So this past Sunday, I met them in church so I could take them out to lunch afterwards, but he owns that. That is his. It's not mom's choice. It's not dad's choice. That is his. That is the man he wants to be. He's owning it, and he's exercising it, and whoo, I could get worked up on that one, <laughs> but then, you know, my 18-year-old, I sent him a message just this morning, and every time I take a picture with him, he throws up weird signs, like all the teenagers have signs, like these hand signals that they do. And there, it's this secret language. He never tells me what they mean. So there's this like crazy little hand signal that I saw. I was like, is this a hand signal that you used to do a couple years ago? He go, And he said, yeah. And I said, please tell me that that hand signal when you did it doesn't mean what I just read that it means. And it was supposed to be this like crazy signal that uh, or hand sign that you, you put up that is supposed to mean like 666. And I thought, oh, Lord, I'm going to have to do a full-on mom intervention with holy water and crosses and speaking in tongues over this boy if that sign, if he's actually doing that. And so I sent him a text message asking him about it. He said, Mom, no, that was a joke between kids. We would do the little circle with your thumb and your index finger, and if you got the person to look at it, it'd be like, huh, made you look. It was that innocent. And I was like, oh, okay, just checking. He goes, what did you think it meant? And I told him, and he said, mom, what in the world? How could you think that I would throw up a 666 sign? And I was like, well, I was just checking to make sure I didn't have to do a mommy intervention. 
we often jump to the worst conclusion. That's what I told him. I said, I'm prepared for the best, but, you know, I'm also prepared for the worst here, <laughs> just in case. So he set me straight and he said, Mom, I am a God-worshipping man. I do not worship Satan. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for actually putting that in writing. <laughs> Some of these things are sticking. But then you have the 14-year-old, and he's just now starting to wrestle with all the things. And he's starting school in two weeks at actual school. He's never actually been to a brick-and-mortar school. And he's going to ninth grade in our county in our public school system under this you know, umbrella of the temperature of culture. And there's a whole million reasons why I decided to do that, why we decided together to do that. And um, I'm just walking prayerfully and faithfully through this. But he is so excited, so excited to be going. You know, he's blissfully excited because he has no idea. But, you know, that's a whole different thing. But I'm expecting it to be a victory. So ask me that question again in six months. What are the lessons that you hope to be able to hand over to your girls that they would take into their adult lives? That's part one of our Get to Know Us episode. Listen to part two to hear how Sally answers that question and to get to know us a little better. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know what you liked and what your main takeaways were. We'd also love to know what topics you'd want to hear about on future episodes. To connect with us further on social media or to learn more about our services, click on the links in the show notes or email us at womenofwildpodcast at gmail.com. And if you know anyone that would benefit from hearing this episode, please share it. To continue the discussion about this episode, join us in our private Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Until next week, stay wild.